Welcome back to another episode of Not Your Mama's Relate Society. Here we talk about the gospel of Christ in a way that is real, raw, and relatable. And today we are talking about cultivating confidence. This is one of my favorite topics and this is what I love to go speak to groups about is how to gain confidence in ourselves in a way that is aligned with our Christian values. So to start off, I want you to ask yourself, what do you think confidence is? And really think about that. What messaging have you gotten around confidence? What definitions do you have in your life about confidence? And I want to share with you what my definition of confidence is. What I think about when I think about confidence is that you know that you're awesome and that you know where your awesomeness comes from. Like you know that your awesome divine nature comes from God. It's knowing who you belong to. It's recognizing that God gave you gifts and those Gifts are there for you to magnify so you can go bless his children. Which then begs the question of what is confidence not? Okay, so confidence to me is not cockiness. It is not thinking you are better than anybody else. It is not looking down on other people. And it's also not seeking approval from other people. So if you see somebody on social media or whatever, and they're constantly posting all these pictures of themselves and whatever, that may look like confidence. And it could be, it could be confidence for them. But what I think I've experienced the most of is seeing that they're seeking that approval from other people. They're not actually feeling confident. Because if you need that approval from other people, I don't feel like you're super confident. Because being confident means you can give yourself that approval and you just love, love, love yourself. Okay, so I want to share some scriptures with you. This one's Alma 26, verse 11 through 12. I do not boast in my own strength, nor in my own wisdom. But behold, my joy is full. Yea, my heart is brim with joy, and I will rejoice in my God. Yea, I know that I am nothing. As to my strength, I am weak. Therefore, I will not boast of myself, but I will boast of my God. For in his strength, I can do all things. And then the next scripture is Mosiah 4, again, verse 11 through 12. I would that you should remember and always retain in remembrance the greatness of God and your own nothingness and his goodness and long suffering toward you. If you do this, you shall always rejoice and be filled with the love of God and always retain a remission of your sins. Okay, so we read these verses and you'll notice that both of them talk about our nothingness. And Maybe that doesn't bother you and maybe that doesn't bring anything up for you. But I know for some people it has it has brought things up to me like, well, if I'm nothing, how does that play in and how does that fit in to being this divine daughter of God? So I found this talk uh, by Catherine Thomas and she says this in the talk. She quotes those scriptures and then she says, what does the Lord mean by the nothingness of man? We recoil at nothingness because we try so hard to overcome our feelings of unimportance. But nothingness refers to man's state in this mortal sphere. Nothingness describes not man's lack of value, but rather his powerlessness during his mortal probation and especially his all-encompassing need for the Lord. I love that. I love that quote. When I read that, it really struck my heart. Okay, so it's not that I don't have value. It's that I am so dependent upon God. And I'm okay with being dependent upon him and needing his power that... While I am a powerful person, I am beyond powerful when I have God on my side, when I can rely on his strength and his power. And I remember growing up thinking that 
it was prideful to say that you're good at something and that humility was like downplaying your strengths or like if someone gave you a compliment it's like oh well it's nothing and whatever and but guess what saying that you're nothing or saying that your talents are nothing I mean unless you're referring to it in this way right unless you're referring to you know on my own I'm nothing with God I'm everything but really to downplay the talents that God gave you isn't helping anyone. It's not serving anyone. It's not serving you. So I thought that being humble meant degrading myself. And that is so not true. That's not what God wants for us. I don't think. Because when we play small, we are depriving people of our gifts. And he gave us these gifts in order to bless other people's lives. We are here to build the kingdom of God. And we can't build anything if we are stuck in, oh, I'm just okay at that. So I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a girl, a girl who grew up believing that she was too much. She talked too much. She was too opinionated. She was too loud. She laughed too much, was just too much, too much, too much in every way. And so she thought that it couldn't be possible to love her as she was because nobody loves somebody that's too much. So she would work really hard to try to prove that she was valuable and lovable, despite the fact that she couldn't be any smaller. She tried to be small, but when she tried, she could never be small. She was still loud, still opinionated, still whatever. And so she couldn't get to this place where she could be small enough to fit in this package that she thought everyone needed her to be in. So instead, she tried to just prove her value, prove her lovability in any other way that she could. So for example, in high school, she got straight A's. She was on the drill team doing like early morning practices every single morning before school. She was in choir. She was in honors classes. She did the school musicals after school and she was in a dance company and she took dance classes and she served in young women's and she watched her younger siblings. And you know what? She was so tired. She was tired all the time of trying to prove how perfect she could be to make sure that people would love her. So then she thought, well, this isn't working. And she tried to have a boyfriend thinking that would fulfill this void inside of her of not feeling lovable. But this boyfriend ended up being very manipulative and very abusive, which Instead of thinking, oh, this person did this abusive things, she took that as, oh, well, this is proof that I'm not lovable. That's what she thought. I'm not lovable because I can't keep a boyfriend. Not, this boyfriend is not a good fit for me. She took it as that was more evidence that she wasn't lovable. And then even after high school, she kept thinking, well, if I keep being perfect and keep being perfect, I can prove my value. And then she tried having another boyfriend. And this one was even more manipulative and even more abusive. But she was so determined to make it work because she was so afraid that if she failed both times, then that would mean that no one could ever love her. So she tried so hard to make it work and she was so dedicated to making this happen. And so she reluctantly got engaged to him and she was really scared for her future. But she thought this was the only way that she could prove that she was lovable. And after he cheated on her, she believed that her deepest fear had come true, that this was the ultimate proof that no one could ever love her, that she was too broken, too ugly, too loud, too talkative, too much, and she just couldn't take the pain anymore. She didn't want to be her anymore. She wanted out of her own head. She didn't want to live one more day of her life, so she tried to end her life, which landed her in the ER, and that's where she began her own healing journey. And if I could tell that girl anything, 
I would tell her this. I would tell her you are nothing but lovable. I would tell her you are worthy of love just because you're you. You don't have to prove anything to show how lovable you are. I would tell her that God doesn't make junk and he made you. I would tell her that you matter because you belong to God. And I would tell her the world needs you. Please stay. And now I get to tell her that every single day because that girl is me. The story is about me. I hated myself so much that I couldn't stand being me one more day. The pain was so heavy because of the weight of my crushing beliefs. It was in my head. I believed that I was not worthy of anything. I believed that no one could love me as I was. And because I felt that way for so long, I couldn't stand being alive one more day. And my healing will always be progressing, but now it is a much kinder place in my head. And it took two divorces for me to finally realize that I had to do a deep dive into my beliefs about myself. I had been working on it. I had gone to therapy. I had done some things, but I really had to start digging in and healing this part of myself. So I started to change the narrative in my head and I started to master the mean girl in my head. And I started to truly understand who I belong to, to understand my true heritage. If I am the daughter of a king, that means I am royalty. So if I am a queen, how does a queen treat herself? And that's where I started working on these pieces for myself and learning how to cultivate real confidence. Confidence that's based in my Christian values. Confidence that's based in that God loves me enough to send me here to this earth to make a difference in this world. So I want you to ask yourself, are you treating yourself like a queen? Because here's some things that queens do and don't do. Queens don't say negative things about themselves because it's not helpful, right? Saying a negative thing about yourself doesn't actually help the situation. Maybe offering that you have something to work on and to support yourself in is different. But just complaining and saying negative things about yourself, that's not something that queens do. Queens don't put other people down to try to make themselves higher. Queens don't need everyone to comment on their pictures to believe how beautiful they are. Queens know their beauty, know their value. Queens know that their worth is non-negotiable. There is nothing you can do or not do that changes your worth as a human being. And queens love themselves so fiercely that loving other people comes easily to them. Because I'm telling you right now, the more that I learn to love myself, the easier it is for me to love everyone around me. Even people that have bugged me in the past bug me less when I am so kind and loving to myself. So this is a time of my life where I started my love notes practice. So I explained this a little bit in previous episodes or if you've heard me talk about it on Instagram, but I write notes to myself. I literally say, Dear Annie, and I just write the things that I need to hear because we all know what will work best for us. And so instead of waiting for someone else to tell us the things we want to hear, we get to tell ourselves. I love my friends. I love having you know, solid validation from my friends and family. But if I can get my own back, there is something very magical and special about giving myself so much love and kindness. And doing this practice, it changes the narrative. It changes the way you speak to yourself in your head and it creates more space for you to be more kind and gentle with yourself. I say this often because I believe it wholeheartedly. 
You cannot hate yourself into change. Only love can do that. I sincerely believe that. And in doing this practice, it has helped me to gently and kindly learn to change some things in my life. And in episode, I believe it's episode two, I talk about the three C's. And if you want to go back to that episode to hear more about about those three C's, please feel free to do so. If you're new to the podcast, I'm going to briefly explain this in the terms of how to love yourself better. Uh, I think you can use this process for any relationship, but I want to talk about it in context of yourself for today about cultivating confidence. So the first step is to be curious. And when I say curious, I mean like childlike wonder. I mean like when a kid picks up a toy, they have no judgment or drama they're bringing to the situation. They're just looking at this thing and trying to figure out and understand how it works and where it came from. So I want that kind of curiosity with yourself. So something happens that disturbs your peace, right? Someone says or does something, maybe a kid said or does something, whatever. Something happens, you're upset about it, and you need to go through this process. So first, you get curious. Okay, well, what does this remind me of? Uh, What am I feeling right now, and where do I feel it in my body? Like, What are the thoughts running through my head? And why does this bother me so much? And What needs aren't being met here for me? And what beliefs are being challenged? Um, You could ask yourself, have I ever done the same behavior that I'm mad about? Or ask yourself, is this behavior reminding me of something I used to do and I haven't forgiven myself for it yet? I've had that happen a couple times where a behavior bugs me and turns out it's because it's something I used to do and I haven't forgiven myself for that piece of my life. So curiosity to me naturally lends itself to being compassionate. So as we get more curious, we open up more love because as we get curious, we're dropping judgment. And when we drop judgment, I'll preach this all day long if I have to, judgment blocks compassion. So when we drop the judgment, compassion just naturally flows in, okay? So we get to a compassionate place and this is where we can either have that love note practice to write that to ourselves, you know, because it's so powerful to have your own back. Or if you want to just start the basic, like, I'm feeling blank and I love me anyway. Or I think blank and I love me anyway. To just slather yourself in so much compassion. Because I believe the best things are created from compassion. The next step is creation. So where do I want to go from here? What steps can I take to heal myself? And what habits can I create to support my healing? And... Where can I give myself some love and attention that I've been neglecting my own needs? Can I let this go? Can I create space for someone else's actions? These are things we can ask ourselves to create whatever the next step is. Because God made us to be creators. We create our reality. We create our world. And how do we create it? Well, from our words, from what we say, right? Our words are so powerful. So speaking to ourselves in a way that's kind and loving and gracious It changes our reality. It changes what happens in our head. So I want to say some affirmations to you and I want you to say it after me. So I'm going to pause after I say it so that you can say it to yourself. And I want you to just think about which one either resonates or which one either kind of like pricks you in a little bit of a way. Like maybe that's something that you have a hard time believing because that's where your work is. If you know there's an affirmation that you don't quite believe, there's your work. That's what you get to focus on and get to help your brain to believe it. Okay, so I'm going to say these affirmations and I want you to repeat after in your mind. So I will pause. I am powerful. I 
I am intelligent. I am beautiful. I am resilient. I am capable. I am lovable. I am his. So I want you to think about what came up for you as you heard those words. And then I want to do a few other affirmations that hopefully you can also use and just things you can say to yourself that will help you in this process of cultivating your confidence. So things you could say is like, I feel angry and I love me anyway. I feel sad and I love me anyway. I feel anxious and I love me anyway. I feel overwhelmed and I love me anyway. I am the daughter of a king. I matter because I belong to God. I can do anything because I have Christ. So I hope that those affirmations can be helpful to you as you're learning to change how you talk to yourself. And I want to read a quote from um, John Taylor, a former prophet. He said, Knowest thou not that thou art a spark of deity, struck from the fire of his eternal blaze and brought forth in the midst of eternal burnings? Ladies, maybe brothers who are listening, you are a spark of deity. You are a child of God, and that is amazing. And knowing that you are a child of God and really knowing it, not just like, oh, I know that, but like believing it, believing it to your core. I often say that the difference between thoughts and beliefs are that thoughts run through our mind all day long. Beliefs are things we cling to. And yes, in the church, we have things we believe as part of our doctrine, but what do you believe about yourself? And an analogy that I like to use um, is magnets. So you know how magnets work, and when you put the right sides together, like they stick together. When you do the other side, they don't stick together. They repel. And so when you know that you are awesome, and like you know that you have all these great gifts, and that you are just a proud daughter of God, and someone gives you a compliment, it sticks because you already believe that. And you don't need them to say that to you to know how great you are. And so when they give that to you and when they tell you, hey, you did a great job on this or this is a great talent you have, you're not a cocky person. You're just saying thank you because it's a gift they gave you. Because what they think about you is about them anyway. When you know that you're amazing and you know that you are a powerful child of God and they give you a compliment, it sticks because it's just, oh, thanks, I know, I know that. You don't tell them, oh, thanks, I already knew that. Like, you don't say that to them. But in your mind, you're like, you already know you're great and you know your greatness. And you just receive the gift so lovingly from this person who offered it to you, right? But when you don't believe that about yourself and someone gives you a compliment, it's like you turn the magnet around and you're repelling anything anyone's saying to you because you have to believe it. If there is a void inside your soul and you don't feel like you are worthy and you don't feel like you're valuable, nothing anybody can say can fill that void. I promise. I tried for years. I tried to seek external approval for so many years and it never worked. So now that I can give myself that approval, I don't need it from other people. It feels nice. But it can't do any good for me unless I already feel that way about myself. Okay, moving on. So 
I just recently spoke about this very topic to a group of young women in Utah at their girls camp and they were the sweetest group of girls and in fact they asked me to do this podcast episode. So little shout out to my girls up in Utah who asked me to do this particular episode. So and I talk a lot about cultivating confidence but for their particular girls camp they had a Moana theme. And so I tweaked my regular spiel a little bit for them and I wanted to share it with you because I love that they chose this theme because the song says, come what may, come what may I know the way. And I loved that theme and I loved being able to talk about that in this context. And so for them, I played them the song for them to listen to it. I don't think I'm allowed to do that. Um, anyway, and I hope that reading the lyrics doesn't like flag any whatever, like I don't, should I just say like, I don't own the rights to the song, like no one report me. I just want to read the lyrics of the song from Moana because I want you to think about and put yourself in this song. Like when she talks about herself, put yourself in there, like it, I'll explain. But anyway, so I want to read the lyrics and just have you think about it. So she says, I know a girl from an island She stands apart from the crowd. She loves the sea and her people. She makes her whole family proud. So here, put yourself in there. Who do you love? What do you value? What makes you proud? And then it says, sometimes the world seems against you. The journey may leave a scar, but scars can heal and reveal just where you are. That line is so powerful to me. Scars can heal and reveal just where you are, that there's nothing wrong with where you are and there's nothing wrong with who you are. It goes on to say that people you love will change you. I agree with that. It says the things you have learned will guide you and nothing on earth can silence the quiet voice still inside you. And when that voice starts to whisper and it says Moana, but put your name in for me, Annie, you've come so far. Annie, listen, do you know who you are? And then you can answer, who am I? I'm a girl who loves my island. I'm the girl who loves the sea. It calls me. I am the daughter of the village chief. Who, who are you the daughter of? Put yourself in this song. I am the daughter of who? We are descended from voyagers. Who are you descended from? I descended from God himself. I am God's child and that matters to me. It goes on to say, who found their way across the world. They call me. I've delivered us to where we are. I have journeyed farther. I am everything I've learned and more. Still, it calls me. I believe if you're listening right now to this podcast that you've journeyed farther than you ever thought you could. You have overcome mountains. You have overcome grief and despair and heartache. You are everything you've learned and more. You are so powerful because of the things you've experienced. The song goes on to say, and the call isn't out there at all. It's inside me. It's like the tide, always rising and falling. I will carry you here in my heart. You'll remind me that come what may, I know the way. I am Moana. I want you to say your own name. I am Annie. I am whatever your name is. You are powerful. You belong to God. And I need you to know that. I need you to understand in the very core of who you are, that that is who you are. And when you change how you talk to yourself how you, and change how you talk to God, you look at things differently. Because I've learned to love myself more, it has changed my relationship with repentance. 
There's a scripture in D&C 121.45, Let thy bowels also be full of charity towards all men, and to the household of faith, and let virtue garnish thy thoughts unceasingly. Then shall thy confidence wax strong in the presence of God, and the doctrine of the priesthood shall distill upon thy soul as the dews from heaven. Let virtue garnish thy thoughts. Repentance. Repentance is a way to remove the roadblocks between you and Heavenly Father. That's it. It's not a punishment. Repentance is an act of love. Because again, you can't hate yourself into change. Love does that. Repentance is an act of love. And then when you change the way you talk to yourself, change the way you talk to God from this loving, loving place, it will, it will change how you talk about and to others. And I want to end with this thought. I want you to ask yourself, how does a woman or man who loves themselves act? How do they speak? How do they show up? How do they treat their relationships? How do they communicate? I am here to tell you, I am here to share my witness with you that changing the way you talk to yourself changes everything. Understanding and knowing your divine nature to unlock the power of your divinity changes everything. I love you so much. Thank you for all of you who have reached out and thanked me for having this podcast on air. I appreciate everything you guys have said and done. Thank you for all the kind words you've said, and I will see you next week.